it is good to be here, and, and thank you for that reminder of that. We need to continue to do that. Um, yeah, I come to you. I was I, I woke up in Louisville yesterday. That's how they say it there, Louisville. Uh, it was snow on the ground. I'm like what? I go home last night, and I'm like, I'm so glad to be home. It is not my favorite thing. So um, yeah, last week I was uh, I was at a different church sharing and. I can say this now briefly because the kids are gone, but I, God compelled me to preach on the most depressing chapter in the Bible, Psalm 88, and had a chance, I was telling Diane, uh, to, to share for a lengthy time about suicide, and um, it was unique. I felt God was kind of sharing in my heart to do it, and it's something that touches a lot of people, so um, maybe someday, you know, working with, with some of you guys, we can deal with that because I've never heard a sermon on it and um, thought it's time uh, to do so. So um, I don't know about you, but if ever anybody asks the simple question, how many siblings do you have? It's kind of like that Facebook status. It's complicated. <laughs> So here's what I want to try real quick. And I know some of you sitting next to each other kind of know the answer, but I want you to say it anyway. Look to somebody maybe don't know. Just ask them, how many siblings do you have? Go. And, and share and listen to the answer. So if, if, if you haven't had to share yet, um, then that other person has, it's complicated in their life. And, and this isn't a trick question where it's like, I got one brother, two brothers. No, it's not like that, but that's true. It, it is very true. Uh, I'll tell you what, it, it, it's complicated. My family situation, I'm a firstborn middle child. No, I'm serious. That's <laughs> no, not a joke. So, so my, I was born, uh, I know I was trying to be funny, but I, it's just what I am, which might explain a lot. <laughs> so I was, uh, I, when I was born, my mom and dad had adopted a son, and he was seven. I was born two years later, but in that two-year gap, they took in a girl. You know, back in the 70s, you could, like, take in a kid instead of, like, you know, be a creepy person and take in a kid. So, not that my parents weren't, never mind. So, uh, so then I'm born, and I think most people are like, surprise! And then I get, and then my little, little brother, my old brother was born, and I remember getting to college. And you know, if you're like kind of older, and people just ask the question, and you're like, how many siblings do you have? And I remember having no idea how to answer the question, because... About two years prior, I had this girlfriend, I brought her home, and my, my foster sister is 16 years older, we caught her that, like, 16 years older, uh, was there, um, my older brother had kind of gone out of the house, and I introduced her, and I said, hey, this is my sister Marcy, and I remember her saying, I am not your sister, and I was like, so this was my sister Marcy, <laughs> uh, I don't even know my family, you know, so I remember calling up my brother, my first week in college and I called him and I said 
when people ask you how many siblings you have, what do you answer? And he's like, well, Don's like 13 years older than me, and like Marcy was never in a home when I was in a home, so um, one. And I'm like, I don't know, I knew Don kinda. He was like nine years, so I'm like, I count him, but we know Marcy's not a sister, so when people say how many siblings you got, I'm like two brothers and not a sister. That's what I say. And it's a kind of an inside funny family joke. And, and that's, um, that's basically what Genesis is about. <laughs> the whole thing is about, you know, complicated families. Now, it gets really weird when families are blended, doesn't it? Um, I, I saw someone going, I have um, uh, <laughs> this. No, it was, they were just counting one, two, three. But, but I mean, that's kind of how it is sometimes. You're like, I don't even know. And... My brother Don, I haven't seen in 18 years. He took off, went to prison, and then I don't know where he went. And then my sister went crazy, as you can imagine. And then um, my younger brother died. So I find myself going, oh man, I'm the only one. I gotta take care of mom and dad. What's up with that? My brother and I had Rochambeau, and he lost, and my mom flew up to his place. Um, that's a joke, that didn't really matter. <laughs> So I don't know about you, if you've anybody done 23andMe or one of those, uh, those ancestry things, you know, ask a Mormon and you'll find out where you come from, something like that. But I never did, but I had a friend of mine, uh, Rob his name was, and he told me about, like, sister, you know, it's a friend of a friend type of thing. He said that they did it, and him and his sister, and they realized that he was actually the child of the next door neighbor, dad. <laughs> so he calls up the girl who was next door. He's like, hey, I'm your brother. Like, that is weird. I don't, that's why I've never done one. <laughs> I'm a little worried. It's already complicated enough. Whew. Man. So um, I got some slides. You, you go up back there. I'll just try and do a nice room thing and be like, next slide. There you go. I got it in there. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's a separate PowerPoint on the desktop. If you pull it up, it says number two at the end, so it might be the wrong one. But I want to share something briefly while Paul's pulling that up. Bottom line, bottom line, you, and this is from the text that was read, you are created in the likeness of God and someone. In the image of God and someone, you will die. You've been died for by one who appeared in the image and likeness of us, who was never created. I think it's a next, is it the next slide? It might be. Yeah, there we go. Who was never created and always has been and always will be. So you can see kind of an ABC, CBA kind of like, they parallel here. And it's amazing how when we look at it, it's like, yeah, we're born in the likeness of God, and, and some of all were created, born in the likeness of God and someone, in the image of God and someone, we will die. And then there's one who died for you. There's one who appeared in an image and likeness of us. But he was never created. Because he's always been and he always will be, and that is Jesus. And we get that from even just the simple text of, of Adam. So when God created the family on the first page, I was drawing. I like to draw. So I was on a plane, uh, and I was drawing. So here's my drawing. It's pretty cool. This is us in the garden. 
And, and God, God says, um, uh, God says, you know, you shall not, you must not, Genesis 2.17, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. So there's the tree in the middle. You're not supposed to eat from that one. And I was imagining just different, like an evergreen over here, that's not a Christmas tree. It's an evergreen that actually grows fruit. Like how cool would that have been in the garden, right? We don't know. Like come on, evergreen, it's always bearing fruit, and maybe it looks like a Christmas tree. I don't know. I was having fun. And and God says, don't eat that one. Don't eat that one. Uh, next slide. This is the text I just read, where it, it, it says, you're free to eat, but you must, uh, but you must, you must, apparently I copied and pasted it wrong. You must, must, you really must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, now here's interesting, you will certainly die. You will certainly die. That's what it says. So when, when you know, Adam's created, of course, next slide, he dies, and the picture gets really excited. And they're kicked out east, so those arrows are pointing east, and his, his head's kind of lopped off there, so that might be a little PG-13. Um, but yeah, like, you blew it, so you're gone. So already up to this point, where we are in Genesis 5, right, if you were to ask the boy who's born here, and it's, it's pointed out, Seth is probably like, okay, so I have got two brothers and then some other brothers and sisters, but my first brother killed my second brother, and then he went away, and so I guess I'm an only child, but then somebody said I have other brothers and sisters later in the verse. It's already confusing. It's already confusing, and they haven't even been given the line of, of, of Adam yet. So we have family dysfunction at its best right from the beginning. If you think you're alone, you're not. When, when you heard the text this morning, it probably rang bells of something else you've read. And like, oh, okay, I've heard that passage before. But I'm going to show you with some parallels. Okay, God's word in, in Genesis is weaved so beautifully. It's intentional. It's poetic. Like I did the ABC CBA thing, and, and uh, or red, blue, green, or whatever colors I used. Um, and it's designed. It's absolutely gorgeous. So take a look. I'm going to show this slide here, and I might have to look back and forth at it, uh, because I kind of color arranged it. So on the left side, you see Genesis uh, 1, 26, 27, 28. And then here, you see the text on the right. If you sat in the back, I put it small intentionally, because y'all need to sit closer. Amen? Come on, friends. Like, what? It, you know... COVID, yeah, it keeps space, but not that much space. Y'all shouldn't be behind the computer. And if you're feeling shame, I'm sorry. And you're welcome. So, uh, so here's the words I highlight. Mankind, right on the left side, it says, The God said, let us make mankind in our image, our likeness, so that we may rule over, and then he gives a list of like what's created. I'm taking that out because it doesn't connect as well. Next verse, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them in, chapter, in verse 28, and God blessed them. So if you look on the right, I've got some colors coded. Uh, this is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them, and he named them. He named them. Now trying to find where it says God named him Adam, but we actually have Adam naming her Eve, but 
technically the words like he called out to her woman. So uh, I, I don't know if that's a, 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 a perfect parallel, but I wanted to highlight that word named anyway. Because while it doesn't say in Genesis 1, it does say here, he named them mankind. Now the word mankind is Adam. It's Adam. It's actually Ha-Adam, like the man. Uh, ha means the in Hebrew. And, and then uh, he calls him mankind when they were created. And so when Adam lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. Again, name it. After Seth was born, Adam lived another 800 years and had other sons and daughters. That's where I got Seth said, and I had other brothers and sisters. And then altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years, and then he died. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know. This is the first time we see the word died in Scripture. Like somebody died. We have Cain who murders Abel. But here we have somebody who just dies. He just dies. This is uh, the biggest difference between Genesis 1 and Genesis 5. Here we are in the garden, and we're creating this, this beautiful place where God is giving life and birth, and then death changes everything. Death changes everything. Now we're going to see a pattern over the next few uh, weeks when we go through Genesis 5 where it, it says similar things like this. It doesn't use the first paragraph up there but uh, on the right hand side but it, it, it will end with and then he died. And then he died. And then he died. I believe it's four times. And then there's a there's a, an interesting one too that will be a fun passage to look at with Enoch. I don't know if you know this or not but there's a lot of statistics in the world that you know are fascinating i don't know how true they are i, I want to get the shirt that says 83 percent of all statistics are made up <laughs> if you don't get it just keep thinking you'll, you'll get it. there's one statistic i know for sure and that is a hundred percent there's a hundred percent likelihood that you will die unless jesus chooses to return before then which we all hope in some ways 100% chance everyone who's not with us anymore has died. I was talking to this lady yesterday. I was at a conference all week, a global missions healthcare conference. This lady's from Kosovo. I don't know if she's a doctor or what, but she just starts talking super casually. And she said, you know, I, one of the stories I've been sharing recently is I, was, I, I had COVID really bad in Kosovo in the hospital. There are two other people with me. I was there for 16 days, and, and I don't know why, but the two roommates I had died, and the weirdest thing came upon me that I needed to pray for them. And, and so she went up to the family members of those families. She's like, I know my Bible, my, my belief system says I'm not supposed to pray for the dead, but can I pray for your family? And as you can imagine, as she's telling this story, miraculously, these two people came alive. And I'm like, and she was so sweet, and she was so like casual, not like, you know, she didn't seem crazy, although that story was. But we serve a God who does that. And those people will again die. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. Genesis 1, it says this. In Genesis 1, when this was said, there was no mention of death because the command that I mentioned that made the tree all crazy red was not said yet. In, in chapter 5, verse 3, it says, Seth was had in Adam's own likeness and in his image. And, and I, I can't help but think of, as I was looking at this passage, which is really quite simple, in fact. 
1 Corinthians 15 came up. So next slide, I think, is there. 1 Corinthians 15. Um, you know what? Yeah, show that one. I'll, I'll, that, that's a good one. Uh, this is called the Eisenheim Altarpiece. This is my favorite image. And, and as I was considering and pondering the idea of image and likeness, I, image and likeness are pretty similar. The likeness thing is actually a look likeness. Every time it's, that word's used in Hebrew, it's actually a look. Now, when I think likeness, I don't often think of someone that looks like someone. I think like if my kid uh, does an expression of a face, like I saw a little kid here looking back at her daddy making faces, and she's got some eyebrows. Oh, boy, you guys are in trouble. Man. And she was looking at you, and then I, somebody's like, what are you looking at? Um, she goes, my daddy. And uh, she, she's got a likeness, probably of you, not of you with eyebrows, but it's a likeness. Oh, you just said it was you, sorry. She looked at me, asked her for eyebrows there. It's a likeness. Now that likeness isn't just a look, even though it is a look, because it's a, you know, it's, it's personality too, which is kind of fun. And so you have a likeness of somebody that doesn't always look like it. it's more character. But in scripture it does say. Then you have image. And image is actually the same word we have for a lot of different things like, like idols. Um, Idols are images, and even though we're created in the image of God, we can make it to be too much. We can make it more than it needs to be. And this is a picture that, I don't think I made it more than it needs to be, but I had it in my office for years. Now, if you don't know this, Catholics, if you ever see a, a cross and, a, and there's a Jesus on it, you know, the crucifixion, if you see a, a cross where Jesus is there, it's a highlight for Catholics of his death. Protestants, you know, since uh, 1517, will look at uh, Jesus, you'll see a cross, but he's not there. Right. Because the emphasis on the fact that he's risen. Both are important. This was actually done uh, sometime between 1612 and 16, or 1610 to 1614. And the Reformation, uh, when really is said to have started in, in 16, uh, 1517, no, 1617, with Martin Luther on Halloween, ironically, Reformation Day, nails some theses, and that's what we remember. And things started to change. They started protesting the Catholics from a church history standpoint. Very fascinating. You all learned it in school. Most of you have forgotten it. I did, so I learned it four more times with different degrees, and then uh, now it's stuck. <laughs> but this picture of the Eisenhower Altar piece was done by a guy by the name of Matthias Grunewald in Germany. And he did it right before that. You know, it was like, like right when this was all happening. An unknown artist for the most part. And I just, there's something about this. It's, if you look close and you can Google it, uh, you see it's pretty graphic. Um, it's, I don't know why, it was just really powerful to me. And I'm sure there's much more meaning to it in terms of all the different people, but I had it hanging. A lot of people have things hanging in their home and, and that's where you can get idols. You can get things that you're like, this is what it looked like. My wife's a mental health therapist, and this is really funny, I didn't think about this until just now. She refuses to see the movie Inside Out. She does mental health uh, kids in trauma. That's her practice. She, she, she does kids in trauma. She's refused to see Inside Out. And I'm like, come on, get over yourself, you know? But she, I said, why? And, and she said, because I don't want kids to picture anger like the little man. I want kids to picture anger like they want to see anger. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. If not, it's okay. It's basically showing different emotions, uh, anger and joy and nervousness and depression and uh, joy. I already said that. 
So there's all these different emotions who have the figure and the voice of something that Disney has given us. And it's cute, there's, there's a lot of, you know, I won't go into all of that. My wife has said, I don't want kids to create an image. I'm like, all right, I'll give you that one. You still should see it. <laughs> so now let's go into the text of 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, there we go. Uh, and this is what rang into my mind when I, when I heard this. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So you see that image uh, stuff right off the bat. And he's talking about, you know, kingdom of God, which is really important. Nor does the perishable inherit the perishable. So the people are going to die, don't necessarily inherit things, they're going to live forever. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Oh, thank you, Lord. Can you imagine the people I was thinking about this morning, people you really have a hard time with, who you're like, they're Christians, but I still just have a really hard time with them. They're not going to be like that. And neither are you. <laughs> we'll be changed. For the perishable must close itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Amen. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Think of death as sin, and the power of the sin is law. But thanks be to God who gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Yes, there was no death in the garden. They disobeyed. Then there was death with Seth. That sounds cool. And then there will be no death because of the power of Jesus. We can't just stop at Genesis 5.5 and go, oh, well, they just die and they die. Yes, they do, but there is life and there is yes. victory yes. beyond death because death is defeated. Yes. Amen. There's a powerful verse that reminded me, I just kind of came, uh, maybe it was in a cross-reference Bible, I saw it and I was like, oh, I love this verse. And it's in Hebrew, it's my favorite letter in, in the New Testament. In Hebrews 9, 27, 28, I think it's the next slide, maybe. Yeah, he appeared. Um, oh, I didn't put 27. Or 26, it says, He appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Folks, I go back to what I said in the beginning. Uh, next slide there, I think. And, and that is, and, and you are created in the likeness of God and in someone. For better or for worse on the, on the second part. In the image of God and someone. You will die. But you've been died for. By the one who appeared in the image and the likeness of us, of you. I mean, just like, I mean, wow. That's what we're going to celebrate here pretty soon, huh? 
What, that God would become one of us who was never created and yet has always been and always will be. Praise God for Jesus. Praise God for Jesus. So what, though? It's like, oh, good. Thanks for spitting out facts, Wes. That's great. Knew that. You just said it in a different way. Awesome. So what? Let me ask you. So what? What do you get from this that makes you say, okay, I should probably live differently as a result? Anyone? I do have three, but I just wanted you to feel awkward for a second. <laughs> How did I do? I think we ought to think like that, though, in terms of when we're chewing on this. Um, because what I might share might be, there might be way more that God's sharing with you, seeing things differently. Uh, I loved Ryan a couple weeks ago when he was preaching, just saying, hey, we need to, we need to read our Bible and we need to read other, other people's Bibles to understand where they're coming from because we are a community. I love that. That was a great, great line. Uh, so I think there's three things. One, just take joy and in responsibility in being co-creators with God. He says that it's created in our likeness, which for many of you, I've talked to so many dads, especially when kids are a little older, like teenagers, and they're like, I have failed miserably. <laughs> I have failed. And we feel like that a lot. And at the same time, we do get to participate with God in this. And that's a joy. So it doesn't end. We can still continue to be co-creators. I mean, people who are designing things, who are, who are um, helping shape people as students. I mean, we have this opportunity to continue to, to grow in that. Number three, number three, excuse me, number two, in his image. There is likeness, there's evidence of likeness throughout scripture. There's evidence of likeness. We see things and it's like, well, it was like this. If You know, it's a simile if you remember English class, right? You've got as or like. But there's also metaphors where there's this picture of stuff that's like, oh, wow. Um, I mean, there's some metaphors that are lived out. Homer, uh, uh, Hosea, and Gomer. Sorry, I always do that wrong. Hosea and Gomer, where Gomer was a prostitute, and Hosea is called to marry her. And it's a lived out metaphor that, look, God is like Hosea, and you all have been like Gomer. He's chosen to love you, and yet you've prostituted yourselves. It's a metaphor. It's an image. It's a, it's a likeness where God can say, this is where the heart is. And so... Where is there evidence of, of that in your life where you've seen things? But where have you maybe taken this metaphor too far? And I speak to myself here because, and it's ironic, because I think I've taken this quote and used it too much, but it's, it's ironic because it fits right here. And it's Mark Twain's, it's, he says, uh, the problem ain't what you don't know. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. I'll say it again. The problem ain't what you don't know. It's what you know for sure that it just ain't so. And, and, you know, Mark Twain is not a godly man by any stretch of the imagination. But he really epitomized what I think our world has gone through the last two years. Oh, I know for sure. And I've been really cautious to, to say that. In fact, I've said oftentimes, I don't know. <laughs> but this is where I am right now. And I think for a lot of us, to be winsome is a phrase I've tried to understand, but, but to be winsome um, is really important. And I think it starts with the fact that we don't understand and then seeking understanding. Now, interestingly enough, in our culture, understanding means knowledge. 
but it ought to mean people. Understanding people. Where are you at? Where are you coming from? Um, I wish I could share that my politics were whatever party or wherever I lie without snark. Without snark. Can I be a snarkless Christian, please? Does that exist? I hope so. I think, I think that's the key to loving people, is sans snark. I mean, I just don't see Jesus being a jerk. I just don't. Hey, that's a good point, but you know, this is where God's at. Now, if Satan gets up in the business of, who's he the harshest to? Church leaders. That's who's in the face. You brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? He was that church people. He, he, was, he was talking tough to them. Talking tough to Christians. And you know what's scary is that right now, our churches have become politically divided just like the world. And we go to be where we hear people say what we agree. It's uncomfortable to, to do something different in that regard. So we're created in His image, but be careful of the image that you may have created. Because when you take that image that you've created and make it God, or truth, capital T, that Jesus is actually the truth, I think we may have missed it. Second, <laughs> we will die, and have been died for, so that death has no sting. And we have victory. Victory. Know that, ponder that, and share that. Because that's worth sharing. That's worth sharing. I, I've been on a plane a lot recently, and it's so funny, you just hear people, and all they're doing is bickering about things. Like, it's just, that's the conversation piece. I'm going to bicker. Oh, man, you believe this river. You believe Southwest. You believe this airline. And it's like, man, I'm really glad I get to fly. But when that Wi-Fi doesn't work, I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> Thirdly and lastly, if we've received it, Okay, so if we receive the gift of God through Jesus Christ, it's something we have to receive. If you've been like, oh yeah, I know this stuff, but you haven't said, yeah, Lord, I take it in. If we've received it, then we should live like what it actually means. If you've received salvation and all these things that Jesus has done, just you're destined to die once, and, and after that, face judgment, God's done all this, and he, you've got to receive it, but you have to live like you've received that which is huge. It is marvelous. It is fantastic. But we kind of live like oh, hum sometimes. I'm preaching myself because I tell you what, sometimes we just get bored with the gospel. And that's, that's an oxymoron. You know, I, I mean, the Eagles are 8-0. It's good stuff. You know, I get excited about the Philadelphia Eagles being 8-0. Am I more excited about that than I have the gospel? Oh, you guys are here still. Sorry, I was just talking to myself. Uh, and then I would say lastly, in terms of this living like we know what it means, we consider what God has done. I think this lady in Kosovo, forget her name already, she lived like she believed that God can do crazy stuff. Yeah. Sensitive to the Spirit of God saying, okay, you know what, I'm going to pray for something that my theology doesn't even allow me to do because I sense God's calling me to obedience to do it. And God does amazing things. God does amazing, amazing, amazing things. You're going to die. But apparently God can even 
raise some folks for a little more life. Yeah. And that is, oh, that's amazing. I think we just need to marvel at God more and more. I think music gives us an opportunity for that. I think Prayers of Erica does that. I think the Word of God, when we can just... Don't try and drink the Word of God out of a water hose and like, I got my three chapters in today. Let it marinate. Chew it through. You know, when, when Pastor Mark gives us texts to, to preach on, I love it. I love it. It's, it's like, it forces me to, like, like, it forces me to go, like, what does this mean? And, and that's a joy. And I think that that is something that is a, a gift, another gift and blessing and something to be thankful for and how we walk through together uh, the Holy Scriptures. So I, I encourage you with means what it actually means. So let me pray for us. Jesus, you are good. You are faithful. You are true. You've defeated death. And sometimes, Lord, I forget that in the midst of a world of pain, of suffering, of, of feeling like Things are just kind of coming to a head, and it's so scary. So God, I pray that you would help us rest in that truth that you have defeated. And I thank you, God, that despite what we would have done in the garden as well, you have given freedom through Jesus. I thank you, God, that you did create us, that you made us in the likeness of those whom we are in the likeness of. I thank you, God, that that we really don't have to struggle with the question of how many siblings we have, because God, we've got a lot, and they're here, and we get to, to celebrate, to lean into, and, and know that we're all created in your image and your likeness as well as um, those here. So God, we trust you. God, we trust you today. Whoever might be hurting, Lord, today with emotions, whoever might be hurting today with family situations, and, and just burdened, God, will you encourage them Will you wrap your arms around them and for them to know that, that metaphor, that image that you are there. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, God. You are, oh, help us to live in that, that love we have because we can't even do it without you. Pray all this in that mighty, mighty name of Jesus, our rock and our salvation. Amen. Amen. So if you want a turkey, Burbank Ives? Okay, Burbank Ives next Saturday. Do you have a time? 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock. Get 30 at 30. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Amen, amen. Let us stand. I don't know about you, but I was blessed. sit here and think about, and again, it's not about being pessimistic like, like, or negative when we think about that one day we will die. And um, and for me personally, it's, this message really resonated because I've been thinking about death a little bit more than, um, and I'll never forget a message that you shared with Wes earlier about thinking about that. Do you ever think about it, right, and what it's going to be like? And as believers, I think, I heard a quote that says, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. So we all want to go to heaven. I think, but don't take me yet. Oh, Lord. 
I still gotta get my family right. I still gotta get that car, right, that house. And I think it makes us think about what is really important in our lives. Do we really value the gospel more than these other things that we think, right? And so for me, um, in my house, right, thinking about the gospel, living that out. And for all of us as believers, we've been called to live out the gospel. Not just in word, but in deed. How we interact with our neighbors, our church members, our friends and our families. And so as we go out into this week, maybe we think about that, that one day it's going to be over. And we'll have to give an account for everything that we did. But thank, thanks be to Christ who died for us. But we still will have to give an account for our actions and how we used our time. And sometimes, if you're like me, after you binge on Netflix, you may pick up the word and say, why didn't I get to this sooner? Wasted six hours of my life, don't judge me. <laughs> Binging on Netflix. When I could, could have been sharing the word that would liberate somebody, both spiritually and physically. Let us bow. Father God, we thank you right now. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your word. May we be in awe of it. May we love it. May we consume it. May we believe your word, Father God, and apply it to our lives. Lord, we thank you for this mighty word that was shared this morning. That we have been made in your image, in your likeness. May we live with that. May we apply and believe those words that you have called us to believe. That you've given us. Lord, we thank you this morning. For you have selected, you have chosen us to be saved, to share your gospel. May we see the privilege and the honor that we have in front of us to live out your word. And even when we get it wrong, we have a Savior who intercedes on our behalf so we can get it right. Lord, we say thank you. Lord, as we prepare for this week, Father God, ask that you would just equip us with everything that we need to do what you have called us to do. For some of us right now may be resistant, we may be angry, we may be bitter, and you know. So we ask that you would help us, Father God, to overcome those obstacles and challenges that are hindering our lives. Lord, we thank you for your son, your darling son, Jesus the Christ, who makes all things possible. Lord, as we go out to this week, Father God, help us to just do what you have called us to do. May we play our positions. May we show what we're supposed to show up. May we not go where we're not supposed to go. Help us to be obedient, Father God. Help us to be obedient. And Lord, we thank you for this body that we call City Church Sacramento. We thank you for all 
the members. And we thank you for the godly leadership in our pastor and first lady. Who know us by name. Who check on us. Who love on us. As you have loved on them. So Lord, help us to play our positions. But we thank you for our musicians. We thank you for our teachers. We thank you for our leadership, our advisory council, our deacons, deaconesses. We thank you, Father God. Lord, we thank you, Father God, for you continue to show up. When we start to doubt, you show up. We thank you for all of the service that we have here at City Church, Father God. Again, as we go out to this week, protect us, protect our families. As we leave from this place, we actually put a special hedge of protection from the crown of our heads to the soles of our feet, Father God. Protect us from the evil one and protect us from ourselves. It is in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.